Take a deep breath in. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Relax your body. Shoot, I better remember to do my laundry. Inhale, two, three, four. Oh, there's that deadline. I have to send that email by five o'clock. Exhale, two, three. I feel like something's stuck in my teeth. My name is Rishma Walji, and this is the EXO Conversations Podcast. Why is meditation so hard? We know we need to do it. We know how good it is for us. Being in healthcare, I know that meditation is really good for stress management, and it helps you slow down. It helps you be mindful, be in the present moment, all of these things. I just find it's really hard to actually incorporate into a daily practice. And I think I'm not alone. We actually did a workshop in our XO living community on meditation for people who don't meditate. And everyone who attended talked about their struggles with meditation. And so I looked into meditation because I thought, how can I make this more accessible to me and hopefully to you? My name is Marita. I'm currently a stay-at-home mom to two girls. I have tried many, many times to start a meditation practice. So there's a couple reasons why I feel like I can't do it. One is I can't just sit and do something or, or yeah, I guess do something that I feel like is doing nothing. So with meditation, that's what you have to do. You just sit quietly for an extended period of time and I'm like this is stressful I have so much to do I don't have 10 minutes to sit and just clear my mind hi my name is Diane professionally I am in the software and technology space personally I'm interested in self-development fitness mental health women's movement and I'm a motorcycle enthusiast I'm still not great at meditating I even went to like a class to learn how to meditate, um, which was, which was great. And, you know, I still use some of the techniques that they've taught us, which is, you know, to, to count, count from one to uh, 18 and then back. And, um, and they, and they said, if you, if you don't make it to, you know, uh, those numbers, then you start over again. If you, if your mind starts to wander and you forget what number you are on, which I, I haven't been over 12, um, <laughs> So it's a really simple thing, but it's really difficult for me, especially to sit there because I'm a busybody, you know, like, like a lot of other people, I like to, you know, get things done, hit stuff. Um, so to sit there and, and, and meditate is difficult, which is why I know I need to do it. 
The biggest reason I think people want to meditate and the reason we think we should meditate is because it is good for us and specifically good for stress management and emotional regulation. I mean, we live really busy lives. We're always on the go, always doing something. And we intuitively maybe know that meditation is good for us. It's good to slow down. And we hear about it everywhere on the news, on podcasts, in research. But somehow it's just hard to really incorporate into life. And it's hard to feel like we're good at it, you know, especially when your mind is racing. And I think for people who do have a racing, very busy mind, those are the people who need to do the meditation the most, right? It's the people who worry, the people who get anxious, the people who get stressed, the people who don't handle that stress very well. And I'm putting myself in that category too, where I feel like I need to meditate and and I'm the one who can't. Or maybe can't is not the right word because that's the whole point of this podcast, right? How can we actually make our lives better? How can we put into practice things that we want to do? How can we grow in a way that actually feels doable and accessible and approachable? So maybe it's not that I can't meditate. Maybe it's that I haven't figured out how to do it in a way that works for me. So the first thing we should probably do is define what is meditation, because I think we generally have a sense of what it is in an overarching way. But there's so many different types of meditation, so many different suggestions on how to actually meditate. And it can get confusing. Do I need to sit at the top of a mountain and clear my mind for a day or even an hour? It seems like such a lofty goal to spend an hour of my day meditating, but that's actually what people do. And that's what meditation research tells us that we need to do. It actually helps if we're able to put it into our daily lives and we're able to make it a routine. So here's where I think we get meditation wrong. We think that it means we have to sit with a very quiet mind, turn off all of our thoughts, and then just sit in a clear meditative state. But actually, meditation is any kind of technique. There are many of them. We'll talk about a few of them here. Any kind of technique that is intended to create a sense of awareness and focused attention. And ideally, of course, you're meant to not be multitasking and doing all the different things that we usually do on a daily basis. But this means there's many types of meditation. There can be concentrative meditation where you're focusing on an object, for example, a candle, something like that. There's other types of meditation like mantra meditation where you're chanting or repeating a phrase or sentence or word over and over. There's mindful meditation where you're really just being mindful of your surroundings. How is my breath? You know, how does it feel sitting on this floor? How is the temperature? That kind of thing. You're just being really aware of what's around you and how you're feeling in that moment. There's visualization type meditation where you're visualizing something there's loving kindness meditation where you're genuinely wishing someone well or thinking about someone wishing them good things, good feelings. There's body scan type meditation where you're observing your body and trying to relax your muscles, focusing on your breath. There's, of course, this similarity in this particular type of meditation to yoga there's so many different types of meditation that are all classified as 
the same thing, their meditation. Interestingly, all these different types of meditation have been researched and have shown that they actually really help the body and they work for the body in many ways. So I was super fascinated by this and I am not an expert on meditation, but I started reading the research and I realized that one of the reasons that meditation is so good for us and so many types of meditation are good for us is they all change the brain in a very interesting way. There's multiple different processes in the brain, but for simplicity, I'm going to focus on one area of the brain called the default mode network. The DMN is a complex group of regions or a network of neurons in the brain that's known to be active at rest. So when we're staring out of the window, for example, rather than working on a project or reading, it shows a lower level of activity when we're engaged in a particular task or paying attention, but higher levels of activity when we're awake and not involved in any specific mental exercise. So what is it doing during the time when we are not doing anything? Well, it's during these times that we might be daydreaming, recalling memories, imagining imagining the future, monitoring the environment, thinking about other people's intentions and thoughts and so on. It's actually responsible for our understanding of ourselves within the world, how we connect to it and how we connect with others. That sounds pretty good, right? We need to process our surroundings and not be constantly stimulated. I mean, I'm always telling the kids to get off technology and just be at one with their thoughts. And yes, being at one and alone with your thoughts is good sometimes, until it isn't. (laughs) It's good to have this default mode for creativity and imagination, and even so that we can function on autopilot when we need to. But it's not good when we get caught up in thinking about negative things or replaying scenarios that make us feel worse. Essentially, what happens is your brain uses memories and associations from your past experiences, and then it constructs mental simulations that are self-relevant. Think of a virtual reality game in your imagination, including remembering the past, thinking about the future, thinking about what other people think about you. It's meant to understand the world according to you. But recent research has detected links between the activity in the default mode network and mental health disorders like depression and anxiety. Normally, if you're being creative and allowing your brain to experience your environment, it's great. I know for me, this happens in the shower. I love the feeling of the hot water and the peace and quiet of being there alone. I always have so many creative brainwaves when I get out of the shower. Seriously, I I need to keep a pen and paper nearby. Don't worry, I won't record any episodes in there. (laughs) But when I am, let's say, replaying a conversation because it upsets me or wondering how things will work out when I'm stressed, then this isn't a good use of that default brain. When we fill our inner thoughts with negative self-talk or repetitions of bad memories, it has a more harmful effect. Of course, we all have these kinds of thoughts on occasion, but it's the level of intensity or pervasiveness of symptoms that tips the scale towards mental illness. People with anxiety and depression tend to replay upsetting scenes over and over in their mind, almost to the point of obsession. 
So the DMN is very much important in looking at depression and anxiety. But generally speaking, although the DMN is important in thinking about ourselves, that's not all it does. It also is associated with empathy, moral reasoning, thoughts on social concepts, memory storage and retrieval, story comprehension, and possibly even appreciation of aesthetic beauty. So what does this all have to do with meditation? Well, hold on because I'm going to explain what happens in the DMN when we meditate, and then we're going to go back to what to do if you can't meditate. So the more your brain or your DMN is focused on negative thinking or thinking about the past, worrying about the future, the less it can focus on creativity and beauty and hope. And that's where meditation plays a role. If meditation can actually quiet your DMN, let it actually do what it's meant to do and not get caught up in all of these other negative thought processes, it might be able to function better and help you with other more positive processes. There's this researcher named Dr. Judson Brewer. He talks a lot about meditation and mindfulness and anxiety, actually. He does some really good research. He has a TEDx talk where he talks about measuring the brain. And this is the part that I find really interesting. And so I got permission to use a clip of his talk. These brain regions in the default mode network get really quiet when they're meditating. And this back part of the brain called the posterior cingulate this part that gets activated when we're craving, it gets activated when we're anxious, when we're getting in our own way, gets especially quiet during meditation. So what can we learn from this? Well, I know Hollywood might give you a particular idea of what we scientists are like, but we're actually pretty reserved. And we get really conservative when it comes to finding something new. How do we know our stuff's any good? Maybe we miss something. So we turn to a new technique called real-time fMRI neurofeedback, where we can actually take a picture of people's brains while they're meditating and see what it looks like from moment to moment to moment. So we did this with novice and experienced meditators, and we just had them lay in the scanner, meditate with their eyes open, and then check in with the graph to see how well their brain activity was corresponding to their experience. And they all reported a very good correspondence with increased activity in this posterior cingulate and getting in their own way, as well as decreased activity and being uh, in a meditative state. Some of our experienced meditators were reporting spontaneously getting into flow during these sessions and seeing that this lined up with their posterior cingulates getting really, really quiet. But wait, there's more. Some of our novices were actually learning from this, even though we weren't telling them to. If we can track it, we can train it we can start to use what we're learning from this neuroscience to develop tools to help people learn and really see what it's like to get in their own way and get out into the flow of life. This flow business is tricky business. We all can taste flow at moments of our lives, but how can we learn to get into it more and more and more? We can really start to pay attention. What's it like when we get caught up in thinking? What, how is this different than just noticing thoughts come up? What's it like when we get caught up in a craving or are resisting some experience? 
What's this like compared to just noticing these body sensations come up that are trying to tell us to do things and just being with them? And also, perhaps we can add a little bit of neurofeedback to help people practice this better. As Vince Lombardi said, practice doesn't make perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. When we get out of our own way, we're happier, we're more engaged with the world, we're more compassionate, and as a result, we can perform at our best. We all are awesome, we just have to get out of our own way. Thank you. So here's what I'm thinking. What if we looked at meditation a different way? What if I try to figure out what turns on the DMN and what turns off the DMN? Is there another way to get the same effects from meditation without actually doing meditation? (laughs) I'm not trying to hack the system. Of course, I think meditation is really good for us. Of course, I think that we should definitely do it because none of these hacks are going to give you the exact same results. Let me be clear. But I think just entering this world of meditation can feel really daunting. It's really, really daunting when you're trying to do it and then you fail and then you feel like, oh, I I did a bad job. I, I can't do this. It creates a whole other negative context and negative thought process that is really defeating the purpose of trying meditation in the first place. So of course, when I was reading all the research, I tried to figure out what actually does meditation do to your DMN and and other parts of your brain? And how can we get those benefits maybe in creative ways so that we can start moving towards a more calm and relaxed and mindful state without actually doing meditation and eventually hopefully getting into a state where we can meditate on a more regular basis. So now you want to know what I found out about the DMN. (laughs) This, This is what I found out. If you are doing all of the yes things, okay, I'm going to list out what those yes things are, and you're doing none of the no things, then your DMN is generally pretty happy. So here's the list that I came up with. All of the things the DMN likes, or actually, shall I say, all of the things we need to do to slow down or reduce the activity of the DMN. We have to be in focused attention. We have to be in a flow state, which means that we're enjoying something, you're really feeling something that's happening. It's that state where you're involved in an activity where nothing else matters. You're just really present in that activity, and it has to be joyful. It's like you want to be in that activity for the sheer sake of doing that activity. It just feels happy, enjoyable. This is called flow state. You're not necessarily focused on other things. You're just really in this state for the joy of being in this state. You're experiencing the activity. You're experiencing what you're doing and you're in the flow of it. So first was focused attention. Second is you're in a flow state. Third is you need to have positive feelings. There needs to be some kind of joy, some kind of breathing, some kind of endorphin, some kind of loving kindness. These types of things facilitate positive feelings, which are what meditation is about, right? We want to meditate to feel focused, to feel calm, to feel positive. And we have to be in a flow state where we're we're actually really present and enjoying it. It's almost like you are connected, your mind and your body and your environment. Everything is one. 
So if all of those things are the things you must be doing, you also must not be doing other things that turn on the DMN. One of those things is rumination. When you are replaying something over and over again, generally it's something negative, something that you've been through, something that you're replaying, something that you're worried about, etc. This rumination pattern is a replay, almost like you're playing all of the scary parts of these horror movies or all of the sad parts of the movies. You're just replaying it in a reel in your mind over and over and over, living it again and again and again. This type of thought process, rumination pattern is actually linked with depression. So this is definitely not something you need to be doing if you're trying to reduce the activity of the DMN. This is something that is not done during meditation. So you cannot be ruminating. You also cannot be judging yourself or others. You can't be thinking, oh man, I failed again. I thought of something different. I should be doing it like this. We can't be judging. We can't be letting our mind wander. We can't be sitting in meditation thinking about our grocery list or our to-do list. I mean, of course that's going to happen, but we have to bring ourselves back to the moment. You can't be thinking about the past and the future and wondering about things and replaying things. You really have to be in the present moment. And the last thing on this no-fly list is you can't be concerned with perspectives of others. We can't care what other people are thinking of us in that particular moment. So I'm going to repeat it just in case you are somewhere where you can't take notes although you can come to my website and find the notes on the blog. You must turn on focused attention, flow state, positive feelings, connection of mind, body, and environment. And you must turn off rumination, judgment, past and future reflection, and concern with the perspectives of others. So if you just look at this list of do's and do nots on its own, This is all that's happening or my take on what is happening during meditation. Of course, there's more complexity to the brain. But if you look at this list of what's happening during meditation, I think we can experience the benefits, at least some of the benefits of meditation, if we're doing a different activity. How many activities are there out there where we can be doing this on list and also not doing this off list? Because if you think about it, some people experience meditative effects doing other activities. I talk to runners and they feel like running is meditative. And there's actually research to show that running has meditative effects. And why? It's because they have focused attention when they're running. They're in a flow state. They have positive feelings. They're connected to their mind and body and environment and enjoying the scenery and looking around. I mean, This is not me when I'm running. I mean, I try to run and I've gotten much better at it. But usually when I'm running, I'm thinking about if I'm going to lose my breath and how high, how how steep this hill is. And if my knees are going to hurt later, I'm not in a flow state at all when I'm running. But if you're a runner, you may be very well in a flow state. Plus, you're going to have endorphins running through you. You're going to be deep breathing. And you're probably, hopefully, at least after some length of time with running, maybe at the beginning, you're distracted and thinking about your day. But after some time, your mind clears a little bit more and you're not ruminating and you're not judging and you're not thinking about the future and the past. You're just being in the present moment, not thinking about all these other negative things. This is also the case with knitting or sewing 
or surfing. Some people think when they're surfing, they're in this meditative flow state. They're not thinking about all these other things. They're just really present in the moment. Their mind is calm in that moment. So surfing can be meditative. I like to decorate cakes with buttercream, but if my kids are around and wanting to help and it's not the same, but if I can be alone and just decorate a cake, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. I always make circular cakes. I think most people do, but so it's on a table and you just turn slowly as you make the exact same design over and over and over again. And I'm just so focused on getting each blob we'll say (laughs) of icing exactly the same size and shape as all the others and so I'm just so focused and tuned in to what I'm doing and it I find it really relaxing but if anyone's around and I can't get to that point I find it really stressful like I definitely feel good I feel happy yeah I'd say I feel calm after it's done so when you think about how your DMN actually works on a day-to-day basis, let's say you have a bad experience. Your DMN is thinking about it and you relive this experience over and over. You're like, I should have done something better. I could have done something a different way. I should have done this. I could have done that. And your thoughts end up repeating in your mind into this negative spiral. And of course, that leads into feeling negative feelings and feeling depress- depression, And when your DMN, which is this part of your brain that reflects on yourself, revisits past mistakes or thinks about your mistakes, eventually it connects those to a negative future. It's like, oh, well, I made all these mistakes and that's all you're thinking about. And it imagines your future being also negative or bleak, let's say, because it remembers those thoughts and uses them as evidence to say, well, if the past was this terrible and I failed in all of these ways, the future is probably also going to be negative. Um, It's going to think I'm not good enough. I'm always making mistakes. Nothing ever works out. And this dialogue happens in our brains. And even though it's not true, even though it's, let's call it fake news, your mind will start to believe that it's true. What if we can train our mind to think differently? What if you quiet the DMN in any way that works for you, whether it's actual meditation or whether it's being in a flow state and an activity that allows you to be present and thinking positively and not worried about the future and the past? If we can train our minds to think more positively in the present moment, your DMN can be trained to start thinking, okay, well, that mistake didn't work out, but it'll be better next time. It might be upsetting now, but it'll work out later. And that's what happens with people who turn off or slow down their activity in their DMN. That's what happens to long-term meditators. They end up getting the benefits of this mm, reduced activity in the DMN over time. So it's not just that they feel better in the moment, but they actually will feel better throughout the day. It has longer lasting effects.
When I'm focused on something that I love, you know, if it's Muay Thai, if it's uh, riding my motorcycle, playing softball, whatever it is, I'm focused, I'm there, I'm present. I I can't think about anything else because it's my life is, is riding on it, right? So um, I find that when I'm so focused and I'm just focused on breathing and, you know, not not overthinking anything and just one thing at a time, I feel the same way um, as I do when I, when I meditate, when I do Muay Thai and I'm focused on breathing and, you know, exerting myself, I'm not thinking about anything other than, oh shit, I have another 10 push-ups to get through and how am I going to do this? And I, and I, I do it at the end, there is such a calm Zen moment for me that is, it's, it's hard to explain, but you just kind of sit there and you're so satisfied with yourself for pushing yourself that way. And, and you're calm and, you know, your, your mind is completely clear and you're happy. Um, so that's why I, I say it's so similar. So here's my question to you. What in your life helps you slow down your DMN? Maybe some of the examples I've given already, maybe coloring maybe taking a bath, maybe walking outside. There are so many different activities that could give you a similar feeling. Now, when I did this workshop inside our EXO community, there were a lot of questions. Does this count? Does that count? You know, one person said, well, if I'm dancing, does that count? And I feel like if you're dancing and you're not judging yourself and you're feeling good and you're in the flow and you're not thinking about things, maybe that can count. Some people asked, well, what about exercise? Does exercise count if I take an exercise class? Well, if you're not thinking about how much weight you're lifting and, you know, whether you need to step faster or slower, if you're coordinated or not in Zumba class or whatever it is, if you're not thinking about all those things and not judging yourself and thinking about the future and the past, maybe it can count. I don't have the answer, but I do think you can ask yourself this question. Does it make me feel better when I'm done? Do I feel calmer and more positive? Do I feel like my brain had a break? Is it a stress reliever for me? Some people feel this way when they're doing very vigorous activity and some people don't. It really depends on your body, your history, those types of things. So ask yourself, how do I feel when I'm done? Do I feel more positive about the world? Do I feel like I had a stress relief? Do I feel like my brain actually turned off? This is the key, right? Like you can go on vacation and be stressed about your deadlines and your vacation was basically useless. I mean, physically, maybe it was helpful, but your brain never really took a break. It never really took a vacation. So it's not as easy to feel unplugged. It's not as easy to feel relaxed afterwards. So I personally don't think that that would count. There was also a question about movies. You know, if I watch a movie, that's sort of a relaxing feeling. And I do think that movies are an escape because you don't think about your own life, but you are really invested in the characters of what you're watching, the, the characters and what they're going through. And often with movies and TV, even books, the point of the story is to get the viewer or the reader, whomever, whomever it is, to feel those emotions. 
And so I'm not sure if that actually counts. Are you really in the present moment with yourself? It might be a good escape for you, but is it really a meditative experience? I don't think it is. Now, this is just a theory. I really want to know what you think. Of course, you can reach out to me on my website, livingxo.com, and let me know what you think. But for me, this has been a really accessible way to get meditation back into my life. If you're listening to this episode because you'd like to add meditation for reasons related to worry and anxiety, you may want to check out the workshop that I did on brain and worry. So essentially, when you're worrying, you're thinking a lot about things that may or may not happen. And the tricky part about it is your brain and your body do not differ. You can find it under workshops at livingxo.com. I always end all of my events on something positive. And I I have a couple actually from from this. This particular episode is what sparked my desire to actually do this, do this podcast, do this community. It started with just me trying to take care of myself and me focusing on my mental health and taking care of myself in a way that was more accessible. And then people started asking me about it and I started sharing. And so the revelation of meditation and finding a way to make meditation more accessible to me was super exciting and stimulating for me. And now that I've been sort of noodling with this concept and idea for a while, it took me quite a while to get the courage to put it out there and in public and specifically on a podcast. Um, But now that I have the other positive thing is that I've actually, I think, found a way to be more present and add meditation into my life in a more meaningful way. I'm still not at the place where I'm doing it every day. And I'm certainly not at the place where I'm doing it for an hour every day. But I feel like this is something that I've really been trying to add for a long time. And it just never felt it never felt doable until now. So that's that's my positive takeaway from this episode. And if you have one, I'd love to hear it. Just reach out on my website, livingxo.com. If you enjoyed this episode or any episodes on this podcast, please consider leaving a review on iTunes. I promise I will read every single one of them and it really means a lot to me to know that not only are you listening, but also hopefully you're getting something out of these episodes. Thank you so much for joining me. Take care.